Good morning, everyone. This is Tevo DRC, Dr. T, the pioneering minister, spiritual trailblazer throughout my life for the body of Christ, for their sake, out here on the front lines, full of joy, full of peace, despite the relationship factor. <laughs> and I've been doing it because the Lord sent me out here. He needs people out in the to be embedded in the grassroots in ministry without having to be seen, without having to have a famous no name. And then there's a season when you pay your dues, you pay the price, you get sifted, refined, so that you can, you know, be fashioned into whatever office that God is needing you to be. And mine is more like, I liken it to Apostle Paul, who's a doctrine type person, doctrine originator, Chief Apostle Paul. But like Apostle Paul, two major points when I use that word apostle, especially chief apostle. I always picture it. I mean, God tells me to say it like that or I wouldn't really, because you really shouldn't unless the Lord does it for a reason and to make a point. So I'm going to specify this, make it clear for the record that when I use the term and see it in my spirit, apostle, chief apostle, I know apostle is with lowercase letters. When Apostle Paul writes about the word apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, all those, the five offices, the gifts to the church in Ephesians 4, he never uses a capital letter. And to me, that's how I see this. It's lowercase, servant leader, unsung, not a queen, not a potentate, but just a regular person who happens to encounter the Lord and have a call and part of God's anointing to do whatever work needs to be done to plant a spiritual colony, a work. Could be even a church, a fellowship, a television ministry, a business, whatever it is. And I'm not Apostle Paul. I would honor Apostle Paul at this point and honor the first 12 apostles that were mentored by Jesus and calling them the capital A Apostle. They are the main apostles that we all come down from and you know try to stumble along our way and get what they wrote and heard from God so that we can hear God for ourselves and get his revelation and compliment never compete but compliment that in ministry for the new tides that turn in the world for the sickness the disease the persecution the family issues and in my field, specifically, I'm called about relationships. All of this comes, boils down to this clarification and specifics about everyday people being embedded in the front lines, grassroots all my life, knowing that there's a new season where it might always, that I'm not embedded, I'm out there with them, but I feel like it's a time to go forward to make it help more people in the population. And I'm doing it. Let me not forget, because of a great dad. My great dad, the pastor, a pastor up in heaven now, who honored and role modeled the Lord probably for me more than any other person as a, as a man, as a human, as a Christian, as a non-religious, non-biased type who loved his wife, who loved the Lord, who loved all the females and males and black and white all the kinds of people equally, and he had no religious respect or persons. I don't want to talk too much more about my dad because I could get all, you know, misty. It was such a 
beautiful soul. But what I learned from him, it's the love walk. And then my aunt and family, it was like, don't do it for the money. You don't doing it for the reward or to be known. You're doing it because you love Jesus. So back to my second point about Apostle Paul, when I use and train and teach on Apostle Paul because I've had to, it's that savage in certain parts of Christian ministry, so tough, hard-minded, that one can be accused, criticized, blackballed, and not even spoken to once in a relationship-respecting, dignified, professional strength manner in ministry. And I learned that not from being with my father's kind, the denominationals. This was non-denominational, charismatic. So when those things happen many years ago, and I'm going to say this, clarifying, at age 25, let's see, how old... 24, I was sitting in a church, half Presbyterian, half charismatic, before all this persona, Facebook, being famous, celebrity stuff hit the body. It was like trickling in the charismatic movement. It was still peaceful, beautiful. A lot of uh, movements like Word of Faith had not, had not, I'd not known about them. They had started, but they weren't like big mega things like we see now. So I can go back way far and say the good parts that we want to recoup about these things, movements. But I was sitting in this Presbyterian church, and I was always cross-denominational as my family, like Christian first, pedigrees are not important, just so they know the Lord, they're loving, and they teach the Bible. So I was there, and the Lord said, Tavo, I want you to study the body of Christ. I want you to study all the different colors and kinds that believe the Bible that are true. And one day I'm going to have you build bridges between them. So I had already been involved in racial reconciliation in my area, Central Virginia at that time. I was always cross-body-minded, sent. I, I can, you know, sort of discern the doctrinal differences, find things that are mutually to be agreed upon, be amiable and selective. And that's just how I live my life. And my, I believe I got it from my, the osmosis of my whole family who were leaders and ministers, Christian teachers, scholars, but not rude, disrespecting gossips, accusers, quite the opposite. And that's what makes it stick out. And I run across doctrine that is unseemly fruit in Christians. It is ministry, they say, and yet it is accuser of the brethren, the mother and the sister and the intercessor, the white person, the black person, whatever. The human person is my turf. And that's what gave through the years, through the many years, due to only Holy Spirit revealing, not me. He would just have me encounter things that would put up a red flag. This isn't like Jesus. This is accusing. This isn't like Jesus. It's backbiting. And then I'd meet many people and so went back in the, through the years after the call to study and serve Christ's body one day at a time being led by the Holy Spirit 24 7 he would say go there I went there he'd say go don't don't go anywhere I wouldn't go there and I had a family and raised children had a ministry taught piano keyboard and all that but anyway so many things were going on but it was like one day at a time unsung, but I was there by the Holy Spirit. 
not famous like many, many people there with the everyday person, yet with this call that I knew would come forth in a at the Lord's timing, he said it would be national, it would grow. Well, you don't have to grow in having famous followers. You can grow and God can expand it in unusual ways. I didn't know about the internet, so I'm online, onlinefellowship.us mostly. And we're trying now how to figure out how to get it going, what God, there's some things going like counsel, creative wisdom, advice, stirring up the gifts, that same teaching on land. And that's the prayer need right now because it is a tent maker's feature. But anyway, this is about the Lord and about reasoning behind what goes on over here. So back in the days when I was, you know, being led of the Spirit and different movements started, would come to town, their representatives and faith began and Holy Spirit and worship and prophetic. I didn't know all the things that were going on in the dark side of intrigue drama. And then I had my own family drama due to really a lot of fallout of TV ministry. Now, I've been, God, God has used TV media in my life in a positive, powerful way, and I hope I'm not making anyone feel bad. But I will say that when my ministry started, it was during the, my professional ministry. I've always been in ministry, but my, you know, my own ministry, it was called Encouraging Word back in the day in Virginia. That was right when the, the public ministry started. That was when the Jimmy ba Jim Baker and Jim Swaggart scandals happened close together, and my, you know, family member, former partner, husband, got hurt, really hurt, and I noticed that was a friend. The fallout of those falling ministries really affected me personally because I saw it firsthand, and then my mother, after my father died went off somewhere and foolishly uh, invested her money in some person who's a fast talker in a movement and lost it all, all her inheritance. So that didn't bide well with offenses. First, the offense of money in the fallen minister and the famous person in sin that was discovered and then there's a point you have to know that they're human and you don't throw stones. But nobody back then, you know, we're all different now. We've been through different things and different parts of the work of the Lord and ministry. So we'll have different types of emphasis that we feel are important and extremely important. Well, mine is Jesus' name, not being religious, being trying to identify the true Christian and then getting people really saved and feeling at home in a fellowship, in a community. That's mine, with no bias, multicultural, diverse, equal opportunity, real respect for everybody, no respecter of persons, which is actually disrespect for some, or really many, and respect only for a few. That's what respecter of persons, religious spirit is. This is in my thinking. So I trace back, I look back. So during the years, when I was like 24, and the Lord said, I want you to study my body. Through the years, he would give me different revelations that were important. One was, as a teacher, he would say, if you see something once that brings dishonor to my name or hurts people, which is what's going to bring dishonor to his name, frankly, 
and it happens once, just ignore it. If it happens twice, ignore it. If it happens three times or more, I want you to teach on it because it's what I see and it's multiplied many times more than what you're seeing. It's a sign, a symbol. So that's how I got involved with accusation, teaching against Phariseeism, religious spirit, and also, well, Western European Levitical patriarchism and stereotyping and gender bias, age bias, racism. Because I have a zeal, a zeal for my father's house. And my father resembled, my natural father resembled the, the um, creator father because he was such a wise gentleman. Never controlling, dominating, or accusing. Never condemning, but patient, faithful servant leader. However, a lot of people that are craggy, that are hard, it is my opinion now I'm submitting this, just didn't have a good dad, a great dad like I did. And see, that was because they didn't, it in their fault, it's God's situation to use them to grow in that to have a good witness and testimony despite of it. But I had mercy and just God's grace given. It was God's grace that I was raised in a Petri dish of love. I was raised in a two-parent, middle income, not wealthy, not famous. They got into debt sometimes, got out <laughs> with a loan from the bank. So they were well-meaning, they were hard-working, they both worked, but they were scholars and they were close with family, intimate, and they respected one another and respected everyone else. And I grew up in that Petri dish where I was accustomed to that, being cherished and valued, respected. So if I go out and I notice that when I go to attend a house that says, I represent Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and they're disrespecting, they're demeaning, they accuse a new visitor as being in rebellion and <laughs> unsubmitted and out from under authority, which I've had this happen, that's why I mention it. If they gossip and backbite and lie, and they've never talked to you and loved you enough in the name of Jesus, and they say they represent ministry, Christian ministry, What's in their thinking? What's in their doctrinal bathwaters? So it makes me, the noble Berean, who is raised with love, real respect, take note. If I see it three to 50 to 80 to 75 to 1,000 times over 44 years, then it's worth talking about and discussing and doctrinally evaluating because of the hypocritical fruit, the poor fruit. Not about the Pharisee personally, but about the accuser of the brother and the mother and the sister and the leader. And that can go on either side of the church aisle, out in the audience, or up at the pulpit. Because, see, I live on both worlds. I was raised as a pastor's daughter. I was given favor out in, when I started my public ministry. I was favored with men to be invited, even though I was quote, typical, you know, parachurch, my own organization. I was given favor with pastors and ministers, white and black and brown, until Levitical patriarchism moved to our area and started to come after me, and it drove me and many others out of the normal 
way of fellowshipping because you don't you're back to be bitten you just get tired once bitten twice shy babe back bitten twice shy babe pharisee but all of this because of my natural loving normal you know pastor family happy family just made me realize father forgive them they know not what they do but this is affecting your name it could be because i was meeting the kind that were driven away also if you go to onlinefellowship.us, you can see at the top a link called the uh, Ode to Whelp. And that is what I suffered, and that's what that whelp spirit does. And I would meet up to 30 people at one point in the central Virginia area that had gone through the same thing, mostly white females, but then there was an occasional white male, mostly soft-spoken so the issue is what is going on in the bully mentality in the church and the and you know and then the other the irony is these people that do this they say everyone they're victims there is a victim mentality oh it's their fault oh they're offended so it's not my responsibility that they got offended so i've been around and i love the christian community enough to speak out to be disfavored by these kind of people and to have my name gossiped about without ever being called up face to face confronted is this really true are you really like that are you really a devil in disguise <laughs> and i do it on behalf of jesus christ and many people who get the same kind of bad poor foul treatment of disrespect and it all came to surface that these people must have been raised under levitical patriarchism, you know levitical patriarchism which is shepherding they were raised maybe accused misinformed biased anti-female anti-strong female uh fear of women fear of man human pleasing and i wasn't not because this is because of brag. This is because of fact. And it makes a difference as a perceiver prophet that I can tell the difference. When people are healthy in relationship, really know God, but they also know love, there's a whole difference in the fruit in their fellowship. And there is usually a lack of community. They're really turf-protecting, self-protecting, witch-watching and Jezebel spying because they have a big pride factor which does that make them easily entreated james three seventeen. so therefore it does not witness that they really do represent the wisdom that comes from above one reason you hear me mention over and over james three seventeen fruit of relationships one that verse is a great verse for discerning if you're hearing god yourself or the devil but it also comes into play if you can't discern people you judge them by their appearance you judge a white tall female as a coming adversary when she sits there quietly in abiding james 3 17 fruit which is the following james 3 17 fruit being accused which is the bible pastor james church of jerusalem jesus half brother pins that the wisdom, any wisdom that comes from above, any leader teaching, comments, advice, counsel, any wisdom that comes from above truly is first of all pure. 
peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy, good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and to the best of my ability all my life, in ministry, in family, in personal life, all the time, I have been the opposite of the Jezebel spirit. I've been abiding in James 3.17. But because of the poor quality of prophetic discernment, the lack of knowledge about upfront one-to-one confrontation of Matthew 18, 15 through 17, as well as humble Galatians 6, 1, then we need to teach on it and instruct the leader, the office, which I now do. Now, those kind of people, man, we got to get people role modeling the Messiah, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. He was filled with God's seven spirits, the book of Acts, Minus tongues, he was speak. He was filled. The Messiah, it says, would come, and he'd be filled with all of God's power, might, wisdom, counsel, fear of the Lord, spirit of the Lord. Yet he would be sharp of discernment, have enjoy the holy fear of the Lord, and would not judge, accuser judge by the sight of his eyes, nor make decisions based on what he heard. He wouldn't be an accuser, Messiah because he represented the father who never accused Adam. He just said, Adam, where are you? When Adam sinned, he gave Adam respect. And he said, he gave him time to fess up, man up and say, I did it. It happened on my watch, but he, Adam chose not to. It was the accuser who accused God. It was the accuser that Adam resembled after he chose to dis, disrespect God, the great creator, and eat that fruit and then avoid being confronted. He accused his wife and blame shifted onto Eve and told God, but it was that woman who gave me the fruit in the first place. However, God is not moved. And so therefore we come down and have to trace now on behalf of Jesus Christ right now in ministry that Jesus Christ himself was the Messiah, but not an accuser. He wasn't a perverted prophet who used his perceiver gifting to sin spy, to judge, to accuse, to say that to character assassinate, to uh, perceive, misperceive women and men as being evil when they've never talked to them. He could assess it. See, I have to teach now that deeply. It's that sad. Relationships are so pitiful and poor, poor me victim that I have to go into this and slice it and dice it to get it really out there. All right, so now we say, yes, you should assess the new visitor. But there is such a difference between assessing somebody as looking like a Queen Jezebel. Maybe your mother was one. But there's a difference between them actually being one, so you don't want to accuse them. You assess them just to be sure. That didn't mean you trust them. That means you respect them as a human being God made in his own image, according to Psalm 139. So if I teach strong... If I teach peacefully how to defrag accusation in leadership, that's really has come out of this. Abiding, enduring all relationship theology, which is equal opportunity, real respecting, and you assess people and discern people 
by their fruit of James 3.17, abiding in James 3.17. Maybe they can do it one or two times, but after a while, you're going to know it. That's why everyone must be alert. James 3.17, again, never accuses the wisdom of a God, never accuses it. It assesses and can use, should use, the wisdom above. Are they pure? Do they have a secret motive? Are they double talkers? Are they in it for the money? Are they dirty, you know, making dirty jokes and stuff? All right, the wisdom that comes from above is pure, peaceable, easily entreated. That means it's respectful. It doesn't have to fight to win and prove its point. It doesn't have to come to fisticuffs and blows if they disagree on politics or Christian theology or anything else in family, business, and in ministry. The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceful, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit. What are the fruits? They're the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, written by Apostle Paul. All right, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. That means authority over self-government the root of every society and every church and every ministry. Meekness, temperance, against which there is no law. All right, it says the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. It doesn't have respect of persons. It's not biased. It's not partial. It doesn't have pets. It doesn't have racism, genderism, uh, you know, it doesn't have theological bias in the ministry or pride, all right? Last of all, it is without hypocrisy. It's not two-faced, phony, putting up a front. It's not shallow, hail-fellow, wealth-met ministry, drive-by Christianity, hurrying on and shuffling on because you're really not valued or important to them as much as their next appointment where maybe they're going to get some money out of that one. I don't know, but this seems to go on a lot. And this is fragmenting the view of Jesus. This is fragmenting the Jesus Christ who went about doing good in Acts 10, 38, wasn't checking his watch, wasn't scared that his holy aura, his holy vestments would be tainted by the soil of the common man, common human. If I go back and I look at what's going on, the critical nature, the critical Levitical of shepherding, let's say, on the East Coast, out in the Deep South, greatly like shepherding capital of the world, maybe, of <laughs> the grassroots world, I think, now what's in their doctrinal bathwaters? What went on in their family? What went on in their history before I came along? It was there. You know, I just stumbled onto it. So all these things only God's people can choose to do and self, you know, do self-reflection, introspectional doctrine, examination, Christian teaching, examination, and speaking like I am. Because we love God's people, we forgive. I mean, we've forgiven all these people, these critical Pharisees, you know, stubborn, not easily entreated. But you know what? I can't. I'm not their mother. I'm not there to be their God. Only they can do that, so I move on. And I have moved on. It's so much more peaceful. Also, if there's no community, they're only in their clubs, cliques, clans, and systems, and pet groups, super spiritual turf protectors, 
then that's anti-love. That's anti-the Bible. That's anti-Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 21. And if it's not community, it's not diverse. So therefore, I moved on from that. Now I am, I hope that I say this well, but there's such a great spirit of cleanliness, James 3.17, equal opportunity, respect in this new region of mine, and I do not find controlling Phariseeism or the want-to-be-ism, but I find people are very satisfied and contented in the Lord in this ministry area where I am now, and that's me. I am much, this is me. So I'm so grateful, and it grieves me when I come across the opposite. It grieves me when I was down in the deep southwest almost every day when I could only find community that I could trust, that were sincere, that really respected, in the gym, in the barista fellowships. And that's what drove me to get away from Phariseeism, opportunism, shallow, hail fellow, wet-met systems, well-met systems online, and that's why I have a great online ministry by the Lord. But I go back, I have to go back, that I can't take credit. Man, I had, if I'd had a great dad that left this imprint on my hard drive, my emotional love tank hard drive, plus my mother, plus my grandmother on my mother's side, my aunt, that were all respectful people, wise Christians and leaders. Man, I couldn't have made it, but my dad, as the father, really, as a man, you know, if I hadn't known a really great, loving, respecting, cherishing dad, a head of home that wasn't the preacher all the time, but just the daddy, man, I wouldn't have been able to handle it when people are that cruel and that ugly and that stinky in ministry, when they're that critical, when you show up as a visitor, as a new visitor, and you've never been there before, and they send their witch watcher over to interrogate you. I had that happen <laughs> in 2010. I was sitting there. I had lost my mate unwillingly I'd lost my weight my mate and I was in grief because I figured on being married forever that was the plan but there are two people and it was Ephesians what was the word it was the if the, if the uh, it was a Malachi 2 situation and it was a if the unbeliever wants to go let them go so you have to do it but it's not fun it was hell so I went over to worship, get in the spirit at a place, a famous place, and I was in the audience in the back, and it was a good service, good ministry, and I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this young woman comes over. I just knew it was the witch watcher, and she said, like she was concerned and upset, she said, who are you, and why are you here? Just like that, and I went, ugh, you don't need that weirdness in fellowship in ministry but that's out there so I could tell quite a few more than a few of these unusual un, very unloving things but that's why I just thought you know it's better just to it's safer to be online if you're under attack already you don't want to go some of this where you're going to get Phariseeism or jumped in public or whatever ode to whelp type stuff in ministry or in family 
So people pay a price to live the life for the Lord at home, in their business, day to day with their children, with all the COVID, with all the stuff going on. They don't need more monkey business when they show up to love Jesus and the fellowshipping of the saints. And they want to obey. Most of us, like myself, love to go to the fellowship and see what Jesus is doing that day, what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's the wise thing to do. But why do you want to go if you're going to be kept track of, backbitten, legalistically micromanaged? Well, you know, she's a church hopper. He's a church hopper. He, she's not under us. She needs to be under us because we need to be over you. That control shepherding is just bad, plain old bad in the field. So I'm teaching doctrine, drove me to doctrine studies. Also the, um, the Obadiah priesthood that was the Esau remnant that infiltrated the Israeli Hebrew nation priesthood that created, I believe, the Pharisees. They were in it for the money, the hireling priesthood created the 400 silent years where God did not spoke, but it turned and twisted and warped the priesthood based on Malachi warning, the materialism, and then they spit out on the other side with Phariseeism and the territorial turf protecting that tried to kill Jesus and the temple moneymakers' tables. When I researched all these things, with the leading of the Lord and his help with me to reveal and show me things, open up things I would never have thought about. I'll be honest, he did it. All right, then I found that a scholar had written that the Pharisees of the day and that also King Herod of Jesus' day were all descendants of Edom, which is Esau, the carnal side, the Antichrist, the carnal hireling priesthood, the warped priesthood, and that's why Jesus troubled them. He was not materialistic, and he came as a free, as servant leader, tribal, but not into their system, people-pleasing Phariseeism, accusation, and stone-throwing, and he wasn't a misogynist that anti-woman or keep them under like chattel, user, ability, so all these different things and thoughts have come about, and that's why I'm very forthright. You can't just say it subtly and veiled anymore because people are that hard-hearted in ministry, hard-hearted in their Christian lives, hard-hearted in their belief system that they can't hear unless God teaches them. They know it all. All of us could know it all. But the love of many, it says in the Bible, it warns us, the love of many at the last days will grow cold. And some of these are already cold in ministry. Christians are cold. Or they wouldn't be so full of themselves. Creating pain when people are paying a price to lay down their lives, suffering with their children, their family, raising their grandchildren, all these things, being divorced, unnecessarily going through evil, rape attempts, all these things, suffering, then they go to church and they're called evil by the preachers because they don't look good. They don't perform well like they're supposed to because the people in the pulpit, some of these are out of touch. They're really greatly out of touch with reality and their doctrines. I know them because God has had me study them. And that's why I'm teaching plain speaking. All right. So, 
back to the day god said to do this to study just to be led i had no agenda i have no agenda i've never looked for anything it just came over and found me and bit me if i say anything about these kind of things it's because it found me <laughs> and i have a energy a style maybe it comes from my father's reported drops of more blood even though he was a baptist and quiet but deep south quiet maybe uh he had that you know i don't want to be like whoever it was some lady oh elizabeth warren the democrat that said she had native american blood and she didn't i don't want to say i have more blood but my mom was french huguenot side and english and my father was english scotch irish and i believe someone said he had some more blood so that explains my global call but the energy and i have a fire i really do have a fire in my soul for the lord a fire and no matter what it's been god's god has protected me from all the people that have you know tried to do me in and and accuse me and throw stones and diss me from going out it's god it's just got to be god and my grandmother who's was the prayer warrior boo my mother's mother leader she always prayed i mean i'll i have to honor my hit my parents and grandparents she always prayed that i would be on fire for the lord and man i am and i've been around to holy spirit meetings and they've helped too let me say that through my life florida north carolina different ones in richmond tulsa different places have been god's great gifts brownsville different places but you know what only after i'd been through so many good parts seen so much of the holy spirit i went to one night at brownsville and that was i'd already had my needs met before brownsville was good but it wasn't you know the holy spirit can move in podunk and he had with me podunk basically good nice people but you know prophetic small not mega country so god is able to fill you through the internet now he can do what he chooses and that's why i think online is a great way it's safer if the community around you is full of phariseeism because god has shown me the escape clause if you cannot find you go and you try and you forgive and you try to stick it out and you got family and now they're getting hurt by the critical spirit the false teaching of phariseeism and levitical patriarchism bondage it says in second timothy 3 1 through 5 if they're accusers boasters lovers of themselves denying the power thereof more and more things you can read it for yourself it says from such turn away and if you tried your best you've forgiven them you tried to talk to them they will not be easily entreated they're rude it's now affecting your marriage your self your personality your family and they're not easily entreated or resembling the wisdom of god then you got an escape clause from such turn away paul says and i have so we're online sort of like the what do you call it the last days catacombs the virtual catacombs for the people who need this yet i i love fellowshipping i'm out there in fellowshipping i go to fellowship when i can and i enjoy it greatly because i'm not in that old pharisee area pray they you know bless them and protect them from ever going there but right now it's a very healthy community and it's a wide not just one church but several churches 
that all get along and that are all for the revival, repentance, renewal, and Jesus Christ first before themselves. I love it. I think that is the Bible, Ephesians 4, and they all want to be multicultural. They really do. I just think that's amazing. So God has allowed me the grace to live this long to get past the last 20-some years of Phariseeum discovery, maybe since the mid-90s on. Not everywhere that is white, stickler for males and female roles, judging people as Jezebel. Not everyone is bad as, you know, some of them are just, they have things that have happened to them that have hurt them. That's why they're like self-protective. But yet they're loving and respectful. They know Jesus. They really are the real deal. But when you get into the, the more, I don't know, critical Levitical and their people under them are trained to be suspicious. It just makes it a, ugh, why do you really have to go? You don't. That's my teaching. You don't have to go now, especially now that the COVID hit. Everybody should be praying for the future church. What will it look like? Who will it be in the church that really represents Christ, the wisdom of God, that gives good counsel, that gives good wisdom, that is stable, that is natural, that is loving, and that is diverse. Who is it that's really the Christian? That's been my call. When I had many years of feeling that I would, could not trust or be loved or respected in the local area fellowships, and the gym was nicer, the Christians there were normal. They weren't, you know, they were more Baptists that were loving, Billy Graham type Baptists, which is me also. Then I, would, I was researching and studying my own heart. Am I upset? Am I doing things that I shouldn't? Have I said anything, written anything that is cruel and accusing? No. But I have gotten more plain speaking. They're not used to that. They don't teach like that. They want to be veiled and happy and pretty. So this is why we're discussing it. Because all this, bottom line, is not organic. Some of this is, some of it's not organic to the New Testament. In Abiding Relationship Theology, my own relationshiptheology.org, in ministry, the Abiding James 3.17 litmus test, even under pressure for family marriage ministry, then I said, how do you train people not to be legalism? Up on top of onlinefellowship.us, I had plenty of time to write about the Ephesians 4 common doctrine, what they ain't, what they is, such as, example, if a church and a group believes you should not wear jewelry, is that legalism? Is that law? Is that God? Or is it just their personal revelation and choices? That is, and I wrote a whole list of different things like that up at the top under the Common Doctrine PDF at the top of onlinefellowship.us for you to have free and think about it. And then you can say, well, under Ephesians 4, Common Doctrine, which is one law, one, one, let's see, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, one Lord Jesus, one faith, you know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the one God, the Father of us all, there is no legalism. There is revelation of what God is talking to you about and that we should optimistically, you know, really obey and submit to 100% of what's in the New Testament. 
but we're human. We have besetting sin and we all won't get it all because we're not perfect. Nobody will know everything 100% or do everything or be able to accomplish or even see it and perceive it. So this is the teaching. Common doctrine is there for this. So therefore, if you say, well, you know, you are a sinner and you're a wicked Jezebel because you paint your lips and you wear jewelry because our group says so historically, then they are off in the fact that they don't know the freedom in Christ to not do that because of common doctrine, Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4. They can have the revelation and maybe it is a great witness that they only wear skirts and not slacks. But you know what? If I feel convicted that that's for me in my revelation of the Lord, of his command of me, I will do that. But I haven't felt that. And I believe it's a great sign that some groups can have, you know, unusual things that they practice and believe firmly that is a sign to the rest of us. So maybe it's my missing it that I don't wear slacks, that I do wear slacks rather. However, in these days, it's too late to quibble over the small stuff and throw stones at people who don't obey our own personal revelation. And I'm not going to do it with you. And if you're my friend and a friend of Jesus, you won't do it for me. All right. So I put a list up there of different laws that different groups have that are in our culture. And you can decide with God's help about James 3.17, behavior in that, as well as Ephesians 4, common doctrine. I've got to close soon. I'm thinking of having a Psalm 118 Teammate University. In fact, it's up there, teammateu.com. We need prayer on that, helpers with it to get it going. I want to have a staff, and I want to get the order of it to do, you know, take to be able to have paid courses and things like that, but it takes energy and helps people, the right people. That becomes because when you read Psalm 118, it goes, if you go down Psalm 118 from the first to the last, it really depicts what a real minister, a chosen office, will go through the different trials and joys and suffering and places to stand, inability to trust, to have nobody there, all those things. It's Psalm 118 really tells the story of ministry in certain seasons, not in a formula, not in a, and this is revelation. It's like, man, that really does. I've been through all this stuff and God will, you know, show me certain things. Some of it's got joy, sounds of joyful shouting and intents of the righteous. Many good things are in there. But the main thing I want to not forget, when you decide who is your teacher, who is critical, Levitical, who is a you know, making a big point that is not critical, but to get your attention, that's frank, reproving, and correction based on what I do, Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that the, you know, will be thoroughly furnished if we allow ourselves to use the Bible, God's Holy Scripture, for doctrine, instruction, correction, reproof, so that we'll be thoroughly furnished, all right? That's what we're doing here to help everybody, help you if you need it. And if you need prayer, let me know. Send your prayer need to dfwleader at gmail.com. All right, but we got to say this. If you're confused about who's a real Christian, if it's good teaching or not, if it's wholesome, 
if it's going to be James 3.17 and what is ministry? What is following Jesus? If you've heard so many hypocrites and accusers out there and bosses and backbiters, then just go back for yourself, by yourself, get online, get your Bible out and read when Jesus Christ was alive in ministry and he was walking the earth in ministry, personal life with his mother, Mary, and his half-siblings, okay? And read it. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you just read every relationship that Jesus had, how he acted, and then how he reacted, and you're going to find out what is back under the law in modern teaching and what is not, what is Phariseeism and accusation in ministry, and what is not, and how Jesus was such an humble person who went about not on his high horse, not in self-righteousness, but he went about in Acts 10, 38, doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, and the Lord was with him, and that's how we can be. So if you want to know how to act and react, just read Jesus in his relationships, and that is our abiding James three seventeen relationship theology. And that means even under pressure when things are not going your way, when it's not healthy, when there's stress, when there's no money, when there's people acting ugly to you and you are tempted to rise up and shout out and lash out in anger or fist fight or whatever you got to hear it for yourself because the basic root of all relationship theology is abiding in the vine with God's supernatural help to have the fruit of the spirit to not lash out to run to God turn to God for his help during every pressure filled situation so that he can you can ask him for more of his Holy Spirit yoke-breaking anointing. And that's what I do every day. And God is good and his mercy endures. And I thank God for my dad again and for my joy of the Lord from my Father God and the help and ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is so amazing and so wonderful. And thank you all the great Bible teachers and ministers and prophets and pastors and apostles, chief apostles and the poor people and the rich people, all the different ones who have played a big factor in making me feel so good and whole and joyful in the Lord and survive all the different things, fiery trials, and even abuse and accusation, even mistrust and disfriend, you know, just not being people, not being loving till this day with great joy and I thank you and the Lord if I close and I'm going to run out of time Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 it says and this is the wisdom this is what has the bottom line on a lot of all of this do not put your trust in princes do not put your trust in man do not put your confidence in man do not put your trust in princes only put your trust in God and those are the foundational roots the rock of revelation that have kept me the most except for the fear of the lord the love of god and the like i said my pastor's family my father you know my family god bless you he loves you he'll keep you and god bless bye bye this is tavo drc signing off for now